0: Well, we just put that video on because we could. That's why. That's all we did. Um, Yeah. So has it been a good Advent season for you? Yeah. Again, if you're new to church, Advent simply means coming or arrival. And so um, the church has historically just chosen this day, December 25, to celebrate the incarnation. Because if we didn't pick one day, then it would be the kind of thing that might get off the radar. And both Christmas and Easter are so important that there are days on the calendar that we set aside to celebrate and focus our attention. Um, and at the same time, they're just catalytic moments because throughout the year, we're always making space for Jesus to be born again, so to speak, in our own hearts. And, um, and so Christmas is um, tinsel and lights and trees and gift giving and eggnog and all of those things, but it's so much more um it's about reminding ourselves again that god cares so deeply for humans um in fact his whole creation that he would come and show us himself Um, you know god took on flesh dwelt among us you know we see the word of god made flesh we see the love of god made flesh and so advent is a really really important and beautiful time of the year and um so we've been working through this series, and we're going to wrap it up today, and uh, we're committed to having you on your way by 11.30 latest. What do you think of that? Some of you are in disbelief, saying, are you kidding me? Some of you are saying, oh, I believe it when I see it, right? Well, we do, we are mindful of the fullness of the day, and um, longer isn't always more spiritual, is it? Amen. 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 <laughs> Longer is not always more spiritual. Neither is louder more spiritual. Sometimes some of the holiest moments are when it's still and quiet. I sat in my chair today, and I've been practicing a different form of spiritual discipline lately. And Pia was up in the shower, and Finley was, I don't know where Finley was, but he was around somewhere. And I just felt washed over by the Spirit. I had my headphones on, and I was doing some silent prayer. And the stuff that came up for me was absolutely beautiful. And um, it even evoked some tears. So loud is not always more spiritual. Shouldn't be afraid of loud either. Um, but at the same time, just because it's loud doesn't mean it's, it's um, tapping into something, um, something deeper. Uh, movement of the spirit. Remember Elijah? You know, wasn't in the earthquake, wasn't in the fire. It was a still, small voice. Just kind of, you almost wonder sometimes if God practices his whisper because he wants us, which is consistent with this theme this morning, to be on the lookout, to be kind of listening and dialed in. Um, had somebody say something to me this week. Um, None of this is in my notes, by the way. So we're just having a Christmas Eve conversation. But I was having a conversation with somebody. And just before they left, I was with them for a little while. And they said, oh, by the way, I woke up this morning and I felt like I was supposed to tell you this. And it was like, wow, that was beautiful. Uh, And they didn't even give it a big announcement. It was just kind of like, oh, yeah, by the way. Part of the conversation shifted and they said something. And I said to Pia, I got home, I said, Pia, I'm not going to believe this. This person said this. Um, and P and I were talking about the very same thing two days earlier like literally if I was to give you all the details which it's not for public consumption it's for private consumption but P and I were talking about this we were out walking Finley and I made a comment about something and it was a curious comment and I said I'm not sure that'll ever happen and then all of a sudden this person just says something to me and they know nothing nothing, nothing, nothing they don't even know who my wife is they know that much, like nothing. And it was just, uh, ever had one of those moments? A voice within a voice? Something comes up for you, and it's like, I was just in the presence of God. And the person who was used or moved upon, they knew it to some degree, maybe to some degree they didn't. I always love those. That's how God gets my attention often, is through people who don't even recognize that something's happening. And it's just like, so good. Anyway, if you have never had one of those moments where God has um, kind of opened up the Venetian blinds a little bit and reminded you that he's aware and he's involved, uh, maybe before we go today, we'll pray that he'll give you one of those in due time. Uh, but you've got to be looking at the same time, and you've got to be open. If you're not open, you're not listening, you might not hear, you might not see, right? You know the passage in the New Testament, he who has ears to hear, eyes to see, right? Let them See and hear what the Spirit say? All right, now we'll start the Scripture talk. All right, so uh, here's what we're going to do today. We're going to wrap up this series called Character Adventures, a play on the word advent. And we're going to talk about going on a search, the Magi. If you're new to the Bible, um, you probably are still familiar with these um, kings, if we want to refer to them. These, I'll call them mystery characters. We don't know a lot about them. They show up on the scene, and there's a bit of mythology around them, actually, but they go on a search, and they're following a star, and um, there's a lot of cryptic aspects to who these people are, but they show up, and by the time we're done today, I think we're going to connect a few dots, and maybe have, maybe, maybe, this is at least what I believe to be the biblical imperative for today is to have a little bit of a wider lens by which we see God reaching to people. You'll find in the Christmas narrative that there are these shepherds, right? Remember last week? They're on the other side of the social tracks. And he comes to them through the angelic announcement and invites them to come to see the Christ child. Wow, I thought it would have been the priests and the kings and the nobility and the royalty and all that. No, it's the ones who are actually not qualified to be in the temple space unclean, right? Their vocation was not esteemed in any way, but they're invited in. So the social outcasts are invited in. I'll even argue today that the theological unorthodox are invited in. These uh, gentlemen, however many there were, you know the song, We Three Kings of Orient Are? Bearing gifts we travel far. Uh, we don't know that there were three. We just know there were three gifts. Um, but you know, gold, frankincense, and myrrh is part of the story, so we just say, well, each of them must have held one. Well, it could have been two of them holding three. It could have been 13 of them holding three. Who knows? Uh, but the magi were there, and it's a plural term for us to understand. So, uh, but before we get to that, passage to ponder, ready to recite one more time? If you're able, would you stand with me? I love hearing your voice. Tonight, we're going to recite a prayer from St. Francis. So I hope you'll come and join us for that as well. By the way, 4 o'clock and 5.30, we're going to have overflow parking in the TD Plaza, but not at the front, at the back. That's where I'm going to park, so I'll make room for people in the parking lot here. So if you happen to drive in at one of the gatherings and it looks full, just circle back over the TD Plaza, make sure you park in the back, and there's overflow parking there for you. But let's, uh, let's read from uh, John's Gospel, chapter 1, our passage to ponder. Here we go. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, and through him all things were made. Without him nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. We have seen His glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. The Word of the Lord. You may be seated. Okay, so in um, Matthew's Gospel, chapter 2, beginning at verse 1, is where we pick up the story of the Magi. So let me read it to you and for you, and then we'll carry on with our uh, teaching this morning. So after Jesus was born in Bethlehem, in Judea, during the time of King Herod, magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, where is the one who has been born king of the Jews? We saw his star. This is all they know. We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed because he's a power guy and he doesn't want to lose any power. And all Jerusalem with him, Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Again, the word of the Lord. And this is what we know about these cryptic characters called the Magi. But they have something to teach us. And uh, the life lessons, the three that we'll talk about this morning, go like this. Number one, Everyone, everyone in this room, everyone watching us online, every human person is on a search, whether we know it or not. Do you believe that to be true? I do. I do believe that we are all searching. Question is, what are we searching for? And how are we going about our search? Um, Sometimes we're not even aware that we're on one, but we are on one. We all want to live a meaningful life. You want to live a life of purpose. And um, there's a, a gentleman passed away in 1997. He was 92 years old. His name is Viktor Frankl. And um, he was a Holocaust survivor. There are not as many of them around any longer, but he was one. And uh, he was, uh, I believe, an Austrian psychiatrist who was an existential therapist And what he set out to do was introduce the importance of meaning and so he designed something called logotherapy but it's a play on logos we were just reading about in the beginning was the word right in Greek that word means logos and he understands there's a broad uh, sense in which that word logos could mean meaning and so he's saying there is such a thing as introducing a meaningful approach to therapy or a pursuit of meaning and um, it's not an old idea. In fact, um, Rick Warren introduced it a couple of decades ago or so. The Purpose Driven Life. Anybody read The Purpose Driven Life? Rick Warren was in step with something. It sold over how many copies? I thought I made a note of that somewhere. 32 million copies. It's a lot of copies of a book. Because people are looking for a purpose. People are looking for meaning. And I do believe Viktor Frankl is on to something, that we all are on a quest to live out a meaningful life. And there's a diversity around what it looks like for us to have a meaningful experience in this world. But as I think about John chapter one, track with me on this. If we were to use Viktor Frankl's idea of logos, or logos, or logo therapy, so meaning. In the beginning was the word logos. In the beginning was meaning. Interesting. God is, what I say often, ultimate reality. But we cannot, if Viktor Frankl is correct, and if John chapter 1 is correct, and I believe both are, then I believe that if we're going to live a meaningful life, it will find its origin in God and in God awareness. And so if we're going to find that purpose, It'll be we put the ladder up the wall that leads to God, to the divine. And not that we earn our way up the ladder or anything like that. We want to make sure the ladder's on the right wall, right? You've heard that said before, that wouldn't it be a terrible thing at the end of your life to make your way up the ladder and find out the ladder's leaning against the wrong wall? A meaningful life divorced from the pursuit of God is almost counter... What's the word for it? It's, it's not... Yeah, it's not... It doesn't work. Doesn't lead us home. Um, so, in the beginning was meaning. Yeah. And when we see Jesus, the word meaning took on flesh, dwelled among us. I am a follower of the Lord Jesus. I am a follower of ultimate meaning. I'm pursuing him. And I know many of you in this room are doing the same. We're pursuing a meaningful life. So were the Magi. So, here's a sub point for us to think about. All religions. All religions are predicated on a search for meaning and significance. And the Magi, we don't really know, Um, but they're one of the oldest monotheistic religions in the world, which has very few followers today, is, if I can get it right, Zoroastrianism. Uh, These Magi come from a part of the world in Persia, in some part of Persia. And it's likely that they're identifying with that religion. We don't entirely know, but they're finding great meaning from following the star. And they're looking for a king, too. And they're pulling a little bit of this and a little bit of that. And they're aware of some prophetic teachings. And, and it all comes together along the way as they follow this star that they find the Christ child. But the star leads these, could we call them orthodox outcasts? To the Christ child. Is it possible that in the religious pluralism of our day, that the Holy Spirit is still working in what we would consider to be unorthodox faith systems in order to lead people to Jesus? Do you think that could be possible? Have you heard about Muslims having dreams about Jesus in restricted access nations around the world? And where they're discovering that Jesus is more than a lowercase P prophet but that he is the unique, one-of-a-kind son of God. Is it possible that Buddhists become greater, their enlightenment emerges when they see that Jesus is more than just a teacher? What would it look like for Hindus to say, yeah, there's supposed to be this plurality of gods. However, they've had an encounter with the one true God, and it's almost as though they get guided by something that leads them to Jesus. I am wide open to that. What I am not is a syncretist, by the way. You know what syncretism is? Syncretism is this belief that all roads lead up the same hill. I don't believe that. But I do believe that Jesus is meeting people on all sorts of paths and helping them find the narrow way of the gospel. Does that make sense? He's doing that here in Matthew, in Matthew's gospel with the Magi. So God is bringing outsiders, shepherds, These people are socially on the outside. He's bringing unorthodox believers, people who are on the outside of orthodox faith from our perspective, and he's bringing them to the Messiah's side. So the story of the Magi and the guiding star reminds us that God reveals himself to sincere seekers. Um, I really do believe that what matters most is the sincerity of our hearts as we say to God. And if you're here today and you struggle to believe... And maybe even the last thing you feel like you know how to do is to pray. Here's what you can do is tell God exactly what I just said. I don't even know where to start, God. And I don't even know how to pray. I'm not even sure if I want to. That's actually a prayer. Just say amen at the end. You don't have to say amen at the end either. It's funny, you know, sometimes you've been around church for a while, you think amen is like the send button on an email. It's sort of like, there, there, it's done. If you don't say amen, I didn't send it. You don't have to pray with your eyes closed either. And when you're holding a candle on a Christmas Eve night, it's wise not to, right? (laughs) We remind everybody every Christmas Eve to pray with your eyes open. So deliberate intentionality is required of honest seekers. So let me leave you with this this question. How are you doing with the search these days? Are you sincerely searching? Here's one of the biggest uh, risks to people who've been on a life of faith for an extended period of time. Is to go into some sort of autopilot mode. Been there, done that know what to expect. This is what happens next. Yep, yep, I've heard that before. Rather than saying, I'm coming to you again today, Lord Jesus, be freshly born anew in my heart today. I may have been filled with your spirit a number of years or decades ago, but would you please fill me again today? I've heard the transcendent, beautiful story of the gospel many hundreds, perhaps thousands of times, but Lord, would you let me hear it again today in a way that wakes me up, right? So I can feel with the totality of what it means to be human, to feel the goodness of God, to experience the glory of God, to be in the presence of the one true God in the next now moment that comes. That's where I want to stay. If you're like me, the great temptation is to grow stale, a little crusty, and sometimes we go on autopilot, and we just sort of go through the motions. Lord Jesus, help us to come to you in a fresh way today, and then a fresh way tomorrow, without putting the pressure on ourselves to make something happen, but just to present myself to him again. And see what he does. And see what he wants to show me. And just show up. Just show up. What do they say about life? 90% or higher of success in life is just showing up. Just show up to be with God again. Here I am, Lord. I'm presenting myself to you, this version of me today. Um, I love two different extremes of prayer. One is I recite the Lord's Prayer almost every day, sometimes more than once a day. I love it. He taught his disciple friends to pray this prayer for a reason. So if he taught them and it was good enough for them, it's definitely good enough for me. So I will recite the Lord's Prayer, and then there are moments I do what um, C.S. Lewis called simple prayer. I just tell God the rawness of my experience. And even if it comes out with fear and doubt and concern, maybe even a plethora of emotions, including anger or sadness, we just tell God how we feel. He knows already, right? So let's not put a screen door or censor our hearts. If you're going through a tough time, he already knows. And you can just bring all that toughness and maybe even that calloused heart that you're carrying. Bring that to him too. It's, uh, it's the best way to come to God. We bring our authentic selves. All right, so everyone's on a search. Uh, Secondly, the search will test our character. It tested theirs, the Magi, and it will test ours. Um, There were a handful of character dynamics at play for these Magi as they set out from Persia, we believe, to follow the star. I'm thinking of perseverance, sacrificing time, resources, being perceived perhaps by their community as being a little bit out there, right? Right? The Magi were on a search that brought them to a place where the approval of others, and specifically the people who have power, like Herod, could have compromised their search. Every one of us who are on a search, if we give ourselves over to the approval or the search for the approval of others, will probably give up on an authentic search for God. At some point along the way, we have to say, I'm going to abandon the search for the approval and affirmation of others for the approval and the affirmation of the one true God because he will invite me to go follow him in a way that will take me off the beaten path culturally. Popular opinion might say, why is he going over there? Why is she going in that direction? Because she's following a meaningful, a purpose-filled experience of life, and God is leading me, you, to go down this road. They had an audience with a person of power, chose to look past human power plays in order to pursue the one who held all the power. And that was a good, good trade they made. The search for the Magi included generosity. Uh, they could have just shown up empty handed, they could have rationalized it's a heavy thing to bring with us. Why don't we just go, keep our load light, we'll show up? Because, after all, all God wants is our hearts anyway. But here they bring some beautiful prophetic announcements. And we'll look at those in just a second. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gift-giving was a part of their experience. There was a generosity about them as they made the way, their way from Persia. Um, I used to drive when I was a commuting pastor into Agincourt from Brooklyn. And it was about 40 kilometers plus. And we don't know how many hundreds, perhaps thousands of kilometers that these Individuals um, put underneath their camel's hoofs <laughs> or their own feet. They set out on a long journey. This was probably minimum of weeks and probably more likely months that they were on this adventure, this journey. There were probably lots of times when the elements became a little bit tough and maybe the invitation to turn back was probably a little bit compelling. Um, but they they kept going. They were on a search and it included... Um, being perceived, perhaps, as a little bit out there. Uh, but the search for the Magi included deliberate intentionality, generosity by bringing gifts, and it also included discernment. Um, they had a discerning way about them, and it was helped by a dream. Um, not all dreams are necessarily from God, because I've had some wild dreams. Have you had some wild dreams in your life? Uh, but they had a dream where they were warned to not go back to Herod, and they discerned that there was more than just too much pizza, and they decided to, you know, obey what was communicated in the dream to not return back the way they came. Um, I think dreams, and I would even say this to you, almost all dreams carry the weight of great significance if we lean in and attach some meaning to them. Um, I'm not one of these guys that makes more of dreams, but I think many of us make less of them than we should um i read this brilliant book by a theologian so he brought the god piece and a psychologist he brought the psychology piece it was brilliant and i to this day it was one of the books that i remember the most um, that i've read over the years here's my paraphrase of how dreams work so when we dream at night this is generally okay i'm not a dream expert but this is how i understood what they wrote Dreams happen when there's unprocessed dynamics that are going on in the unconscious domain of our lives. We have experiences throughout the day that are perhaps unprocessed and um, could be fear related, could be sadness, could be all sorts of complexities and confusion. This is the way life goes for us, right? We have all these experiences, thought processes. A lot is coming at us every day, right? And so when we go to bed at night, you know what happens? This is the way these authors described it. He said there is this um, doorkeeper, he called them, that separates the conscious from the subconscious. And so when you go to sleep at night, the doorkeeper goes to sleep. And the unconscious say, hey, now's our chance to get this guy's attention. He's been pushing his stuff away all day, all week, all his life. Now's our chance to put on one of these high-budget Hollywood movies and we'll try to get his attention And they sneak past the doorkeeper. And then they project these wild stories on the screen of our unconscious or subconscious. And we're streaming away. And they're so real, aren't they? You get up in the morning and say, wow, that was wild. Did that happen? Sometimes you want to go back in and say, can I jump back into the film? Other times you say, burn that movie. I don't want to ever see that one again. But these authors actually say that The unconscious is kind of communicating in highly symbolic ways. Trying to get it. So we don't don't interpret dreams literally. They're, They're symbols. They represent things. And one thing we shouldn't do is go and interpret everybody else's dreams. What matters most is what it means to you, right? And what you felt in the middle of your dream. And some things might come up for you. Here's why this is so beautiful, okay? This is not just in the realm of some psychological book, The reason there was a theologian involved in this is because when you and I are believers and we follow the Lord Jesus, the Holy Spirit is now a part of our experience, and now he's a part of helping us experience life. So now the filmmaker gets some extra help by the Spirit of Jesus who's saying, I want these dreams to play a sanctifying role in this person's life. By waking them up, perhaps, to themselves. Pardon the pun. Waking them up to themselves. And helping them deal with whatever issues of worry and fear and concern and anxiety or whatever might be keeping us from our best life in Jesus. And so it doesn't always have to be prophetic of what's going to happen tomorrow. It can actually be what's happened in me yesterday or last week or last year that I've decided to say that's too messy. I don't want to process that. So it's good to have a notepad and a pen close by your bed, because once you wake up in the morning, that dream can be, uh, it can go quick. Or sometimes throughout the day, you'll say, oh, I dreamed about that, and it'll come back to you. And so where am I going with this? The Magi, they were discerning. They had a dream, and they said, whoa, there's more to this dream. Let's not go back and see Herod. And so they were discerning people. If you and I are gonna go on a search, we're gonna have to be discerning people. We're gonna have to not believe every spirit, right? That's what John wrote in his epistle. Don't believe every spirit, because there are false spirits that are out in the world. There are things that are going on that we shouldn't just subscribe to because it's popular. We have to be discerning people. If we're going to be on a search like the Magi, and we're going to have to be crystal clear about what we're following, and I would say who we're following, which is, again, the Lord Jesus. Um, Okay, so the search required discernment for them, and then ultimately they didn't go back to Herod. The search resulted in obedience. It will result in our obedience too. When we are led to the side of Jesus, we are led to his side so that we can live a transformed, most beautiful, glorious life, what we were designed to live. Finally, here's the last one. A meaningful search is accompanied by hardship and joy, and I'll land this rather quickly. Um, If you want to sign up for a meaningful life, It will come with some hard it will come with some difficult it will come with some trouble it's the way life works jesus himself gave us that great promise in this life you will have trouble these gentlemen who made the long journey from persia to bethlehem i'm sure they had a boatload of trouble along the way and if we're going to be true to our calling and we're going to follow not the star necessarily but the star of the universe so to speak as messiah jesus we should expect that the search will have some hardship and joy. Weeks, months, a long time, the elements they were exposed to, probably some hunger pangs along the way, probably some detours, maybe even some conflict. I have a feeling the caravan brought some interesting conversations, maybe even some jousting along the way, maybe some confusion. Let's take this road, no, let's take that road. A lot of that kind of stuff was going on. And it happens for us too, even in Christian communities. Where there will be hardship and there'll be confusion and complexity and all the stuff including conflict that happens in our lives and then the magi search again brings them to this place where they see the christ child and they're overcome with joy and they worship the king why go back and see herod who is serving under king jesus they have found the king of kings they have found the messiah and they open up their gifts gift fit for a king is gold a gift fit for a priest, frankincense, and a gift fit for someone who will lay down his life, myrrh, which was an embalming agent, that would be a foreshadow of the fact that this king was born to die. And Christmas and Easter are correlated. And um, thanks be to God that in Christ we find ultimate meaning and purpose, and that that meaning and purpose was one that didn't shrink back from the hard. But he laid his life down for us, and he invites us to come to follow him and experience the adventure of a searching heart that sometimes stumbles upon joy, sometimes stumbles upon hard. but ultimately both hard and joy are part of the experience of being led to Jesus and life with Jesus. One of the greatest gifts a theologian shared with me one day, uh, a previous day, previous year, was that, and I say this as an insider with kindness and generosity toward all of us, but he was a Pentecostal theologian, Van Johnson, and he said to me, Pentecostals have yet to form a theology of suffering. And he was right. We struggle with that because we are often on the victory side, and victory is a wonderful thing. And we shout, hallelujah. Sometimes we bow and beautiful Christ child, it's a worship experience, and other times we feel like we've been gutted out and we don't know what to do with it. But suffering is part of the experience of walking with God. So Job's counselors were not all wrong and they weren't all right. Sometimes you can do everything right and be called down a path of suffering. Is that not what Jesus experienced? A crown of thorns was placed on his head. He was scourged to the place of almost death. And then they pierced him on a cross and he was smack dab right in the center of God's will the cruciform or the crucified Jesus. And if we're going to be like him, there will be a crown of thorns. There will be some scourging and there will be some piercing that happens. Remember Mary? And a sword will pierce your own heart too. Uh, So Merry Christmas to you. (laughs) (laughs) Christmas Eve with Pastor Dave. Scourging thorns of crowns of thorns and... But this is the gospel of Jesus, and it doesn't matter what day of the year I get the privilege of announcing it, I must be faithful to the story, right? So, Jesus, thank you today for your goodness and your grace, and thank you that the crown of thorns is not the end of the story, but you were raised from death to life, you ascended to the right hand of the Father, and you rule and you reign And, Lord, one day we will rule and reign with you. But until that day, Lord, we are walking out, sometimes a joyful path, sometimes one that seems littered with suffering. But you are enough for us. And, God, we thank you that your promised Holy Spirit will never leave us as orphans in this world, but you will walk with us every step of the way. And even though we walk through the darkest valley, we will fear no evil, for you are with us. Your rod and your staff, they comfort us. And then surely goodness and mercy will follow us all the days of our lives, and we will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This is our story. Thank you, God, for it. So, Lord, wherever we find ourselves on a path today, would you help us to lift our eyes off of what we see onto what's coming next and what you hold out for us, trusting that you will make level ground for our feet wherever our foot finds the next place to land until you lead us home to be with you. And we, uh, we thank you for that, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right. I was excited today. I didn't even leave the stool. I enjoyed the teaching. Usually I get up, but I didn't, I don't think I, did I get up today at all from the stool? I don't think so. That's super okay, isn't it? I actually originally landed on the stool a little while ago because I had a bad back, and then I liked it, and I thought I preached better. So I think there's music playing, which is saying, Pastor Dave, it's 1127. (laughs) Yeah, that's well played. Whoever's in the back there, well played. And I see something there that says, see you tonight on the screen. They are prompting me. This is awesome. Yeah. You guys are going to go back to the sound booth after and say, can you do that every week? Yeah.